Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to edit my can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Now you're welcome along. Football show is coming at you. Very happy to say, Pat Nevin with us as usual on a Monday. Hello. Hello, how you doing, Joe? Great. Not sure where to start, really. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We uh, made the point earlier on the show that were Liverpool to have won 2 or 3-0, then it's mostly about Liverpool. But when it's 7-0, quite a lot of it is also about Manchester United. What an extraordinary game. <laughs> I mean, anyone who says that they kind of saw it coming and not having it <laughs> because the brown run that Manchester United had been on. And again, they did. They looked okay until they lost the first goal. Um, but there's, when you have that level of capitulation, it's incredible. Um, and by the way, that's not my music in the background. Um, <laughs> for a change. Um, but that level of capitulation is weird. I mean, it's really weird. Now, every footballer has been on the end of hammering at some, ball, at some point in their, their life and their career. And you can have a number of things you've got to do in the midst of it all. Um, sometimes it's because you, you all have a stinker on the same day, which in your, if you're playing the Premier League, if two or three have a stinker, you're going to get beat. If six or seven or eight have a stinker, you've got a chance of getting hammered, and they did. Um, but there can be other days where just everything the other team touches turns to gold, and you just think, well, that's just weird. But it was both those things, wasn't it? It was yeah. absolutely both those things. Um, and it would be a real concern and worry for Manchester United <laughs> if other teams look at it and think, right, OK, there's the weakness. The spirit that you thought was there isn't necessarily there. The weaknesses that were shown were extraordinary, absolutely unbelievable weaknesses. And every other team will look at every single goal and every single chance and every single attitude of the players um, and, ask, and think, right, there's a weakness, there's a weakness, there's a weakness. So Man United going forward, it's all about the reaction. It is all about the reaction. Everybody knows that. That's a cliche. But it, it, it would be a concern. It would be a worry. But if they go and win the next two or three games, have a look at the league. They're, they're still seven points is ahead of Liverpool. Yeah. They've got silverware in the cabinet. They're still in Europe. Liverpool are clinging on by their fingernails. You won't hear many Man United fans saying it just now, but Man United are in a better place. <laughs> You know, league-wise, um, but rebuild-wise, it looks as if Liverpool, that waiting for that to click for a wee while now, and you, that's the first time I think we've seen the real signs of, hey, you know, that famous forward line that's been rebuilt, you know, ever, ever since Suarez, etc. Actually, this rebuild might be okay. What was your sense of the game at half-time, Pat? I, I would have expected United to come by. I was at the... The game uh, Manchester United played against uh, West Ham, and at half time there, I was thinking West Ham are the better side. You know, it felt almost sacrilegious because it has what a tough time West Ham were going through, and the fact that United were on this great run. And but you have to call it, and I'm calling it saying West Ham are the better team. They looked the more likely to score, and then they did score. And you get towards 55, 60 minutes, one 0 up, and you think, right, okay, did they get found out now? But it didn't. The changes Ten Hag made were brilliant, uh, really brilliant. Um, the other week, yeah, when they made them against West Ham, 
Um, and then you wondered, okay, so this is this, do the same against Liverpool. Thing is, he had he probably had seven or eight changes he had to make, and you get a lot of subs these days, but you don't, you don't get that many. Um, I think it's I think you drill a wee bit deeper into it. A lot of the the good stuff has been down to Casemiro controlling it, and he didn't look fit, did he? I don't know, but you thought, but a lot of people thought there was a couple of close-ups showing him holding his leg a bit. But he, there was no domination. There was no covering to the same level that he usually does. Um, he looked a wee bit sluggish on the day as well, yeah. um, and that's a big call for them because if you lose Casemiro, I think the rest of them have spent the last wee while looking at him, and when they look at him and oh dear, he's not helping us here. <laughs> it's bad news. But at least he didn't stop trying. Well, we'll come to that. Ten Hag's comments. He is unsparing in public, Ten Hag, and has been. So he said of the second half, at the start we gave away the two goals and then there was no team anymore. We didn't stick to the plan. There were 11 individuals. It's really bad. I've given my opinion to the players. It was unprofessional. You have to stick together as a team. We didn't do that. There was no discipline. You can have setbacks, but you have to stick together (coughs) and do your job. So unprofessional, uh, no discipline, not sticking to your job. That's the, the general gist of of what he uh, was saying. It is just so uh, at odds with the last number of months. I had I, I thought that this uh, fragility, like uh, like this uh, <laughs> this tendency to turn a bad day into a historically horrific day, we had thought that was behind this group. But it's, it's still unusual. I mean, for United, well, it's, it's incredible for United to do it that badly. Do you know that phrase with, with under a group of individuals? It's a kind of, it's one that's often not often used, but it is used. And you have to really think what it feels like. And I know what it feels like. I've been in that situation two or three times. Only when 850 games has happened two or three times, when you look around and you think, actually, nothing. nobody's working with each other. People are hiding, don't want the ball, that sort of stuff, yeah. But on top of that, there's no link-up, there's no covering your mate, there's no match intelligence where everyone thinks, right, okay, back in a shape and stick there. That doesn't take high-level professionals to do that. Decent amateurs know that. You know that, don't you? If you're playing against football, like we're getting hammered today, let's get get together, pulled in as a group. You do that. I remember playing once for Scotland, and it was away at Portugal. I think Futre went have been playing, and they had a decent side. But I ended up, I remember I came on as sub. Thanks, thanks Gaffer. I really needed that. With three or four nil down. And at one point, I was left back. I had been brought on in the right wing. But at one point, I was left back because nobody else was doing their jobs. Mm. And I'm running about like a lunatic, trying to cover, trying to cover, running, doing anything to cover gaps. But there's no, when nobody else is doing it and the whole structure is just falling to bits, you know, the, the left midfielders decided I'm just going to go over to the right there for no apparent reason. Yeah. And there's nobody central to grab you and go, come back, come back, move in. This is the structure, this and it's all very well to say the manager should do it at the side. Now, to be fair, that was a noisy night that night in Portugal and Lisbon, I think it was. Damn noisy Anfield when there's four and five and six. So you, you're going to struggle to get on for the side to, to get that across. Hmm. Ten Hag didn't seem to be shouting it that much. He seemed to have been slightly in shock. But it, it is an actual thing. It does happen. That group dynamic just evaporates and not one player seems to trust the other player to do anything um, and when you're on the ball nobody trusts you or trusts themselves to get on it 
And it looked like that. I mean, second half Rashford may not have, may as well not have been playing. You know, is it his fault? He'll say, well, no one's given me the ball. But you run about and chase about and you, dra- you drop a little bit deeper so you're covering the areas and make it really tight. All those things that a player would know, that any player should know, none of them were done on the day. Now yeah. they would do it most days. But it, was, it just all fell apart. Yeah, it, it fell apart completely. And, you know, that period last year where as Liverpool hockeyed them, or, or, or it, was it even the year before that, Liverpool hockeyed them the 5 0 Old Trafford, and then City completely dominated them. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was uh, an example of the extent to which there was a quality deficit, and also there was just a complete absence of any team spirit. And then, you know, the Brentford game. Uh, it, just, it it felt like a further underlining of, of, of where they were as a group, which was just very little resolve. And we had thought that over the last number of months, Ronaldo's departure from the club, Casemiro's arrival, Martinez flourishing, Ten Hag getting control of the situation. The word resilient was being used about them. So now I don't quite know what to read into yesterday. Is this a, a sign that there is still something rotten, you know, deep down? And it didn't take much of a setback for it to be revealed again. <laughs> Or can we take the Gary Neville look? They scored seven goals from eight shots. You know, the Salah one off the underside of the crossbar, it was like a pinball machine before that. Luke Shaw tries the worst clearance of all time, the one before. Like, there, there is just a freakish element to this. It was an awful day at the office. It's a very different situation to when things were where they were a number of months ago. And you only know the answer to that in three or four t- games' time. Yeah. You don't know it. Um, you hope it's, you know that if you're a Manchester United fan you hope it's not a muscle memory of what it can be because mm. they'll be in their minds oh, oh god can we can go there again have a look at the run of games off that Man United have got they're a wee bit lucky yeah, because they're not going to they've not got what Liverpool have got you look at the next five games Liverpool have got I think it's I think Bournemouth first of all but is it you know they've got Chelsea coming up they've yeah, got Arsenal Man City coming up Arsenal coming up get Madrid away from home so you know they've got a hard one whereas if, if Man United were facing that next you'd think oh my god that would be a concern but they've got a bit of an easier one as, as far as I remember but is it easier it's it's not that level so and they've got a little bit of a cushion as well so all that stuff together interesting to see when Ten Hag won't come out with it all he's quite honest and he's quite straight with a lot of things because he won't BS you but he will drill down to it. And, and certain things that certain players did when they lost, lost control. Um, and you don't want to dig anyone out because everyone deserves to be dug out of it. I mean, I watched um, the, the previous game when the two wingers are wide there, Anthony, and you think, do you know what? Somebody like Anthony, he's kind of know what is not what you want at that moment in time yeah. when it's all falling apart. You don't want him there. You want somebody, he might even run back, but he'll kick somebody, he'll do the wrong thing, and he won't, he'll chase them. You need somebody controlled in there at that point in time. And there were too many players that were acting a little bit like that and kicking out and lashing out. Um, but I I wouldn't say it's, it's completely gone for Man United, absolutely not. Um, let's look back just a week or two. We, man, we Liverpool are playing against Real Madrid, and honestly, it, it felt the same. It really did. Those five goals... You know, they went to an up but those five goals and the absolute lesson that Liverpool got it felt oh my god they are miles and miles, well, and miles. So that's a really interesting point actually 
And <coughs> by the way, I am going to talk about Liverpool. They're a big part. <laughs> We've gone down the Man United route. I didn't know which way the conversation uh, would yeah. go. And Liverpool fans screaming. We will, of course, uh, talk about Liverpool in depth in a moment. So Liverpool against Real Madrid. I would say a key difference with the second half against Madrid versus the Manchester United version uh, yesterday is that there was a petulance about Manchester United that Liverpool against Madrid didn't have. There was an honesty about Liverpool, a team being outclassed, <coughs> shell-shocked, oh my God, what's happening? Whereas Manchester United, Anthony, as you mentioned, not interested. And I think they paid a lot of money for Anthony for what they've got, but not interested. Luke Shaw, at one point, that moment where he just bundles over a player and then walks, it was Nunes, and then walks into the back of him. Like, that's disgraceful, really. That's just a real sign. I'm not even playing the game by the rules anymore. I, I have just down tools. And of course, you know who I'm building up to. You know where I'm going to. Uh, the biggest disgrace of them all, uh, step forward captain, Bruno Fernandes. Uh, he must have the worst body language. I mean, at the best of times, it's questionable. But when things aren't going well, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody worse. Anybody worse. If I am... Um, <clears throat> that time when he lost the ball. And it's not about the discussion, did he ask to come off, etc. Because the claim is he didn't just now. But that moment where he lost the ball... And, and, and throwing himself to the ground a lot and holding his face when he wasn't touched and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right? You, you've seen the worst of him. But the moment where it was unforgivable was when they lost the ball and then walked. And they're running away. Yeah. And you have so many goals down. And every single Manchester United fan and every single player and his coaches have got every right to be absolutely furious with him. And I'm, and I'm thinking at that point in time, any player who ever does that, you get him off the pitch now. You just get them off. Just say, come off. And to some degree, if it was 2 or 3-0 and you're down and there's five minutes to go and you've used all your subs, you'd almost take them off. Just to say, right, never do that. Come off. I don't care. We're only 10 men. Get off. You can't do that when you're, when you're getting hammered by Liverpool. But it was, a, it was a horrifying moment of any other player on the team does that at any point. Now they just turn around and say, well, the captain did it. It's yeah. just... He will be, I would hope and expect... The cat would be angry with him for not just that moment. There's quite a few moments, but that more than anything else. Because you know, I, I wouldn't care who it was, and I'm, and I know I've done it because I've done it in my career before. I did it many times. I don't care how big a name it is. Anyone does that, I'll, I'll give you. I'll just tell you. I'll just shout and ball and scream and give you everything, as will everybody around. If you've got a decent spirit, no one seemed able to do that. There wasn't enough personality to do that. It may well be that Casemiro has a word afterwards, etc. Because he wasn't having a good day, maybe he was too involved in himself. But that moment was, I suspect, I mean, Bruno's not the youngest anymore. And come the end of the season, Man United, you suspect they're going to make a lot of changes and they're going to, they may well have a lot of money very soon. And as we well know, if the sale goes ahead, and I'm not saying he's going to sell Bruno Fernandes right now, but I bet you any money he's looking for his replacement right this second. He's looking out going, right, I'll use you and I'll get the best out of you while I can. But anyone who's got that in, in the locker, that's not what Ten Cat... And that's not what any manager wants. It was it was absolutely horrible. Many, many times can you actually remember seeing that? And it's oddly enough, the people that do it have, are usually giants of the game. It's just too much bother for them. It's yes. just, this is all their fault. It's not mine, so I'm not going to try. And that's absolutely unacceptable. Don't have any sympathy... Whatever happens after that, if you get dropped for the next five games, etc., it won't be. But hmm. I suspect you can't go forward with that sort of attitude because 
youngsters coming through are going to learn terrible stuff out of that. I'm not sure his captaincy is tenable. I would agree. <laughs> but how do you, it's quite obvious you, you should have Casemiro captain. Yes, in the morning. I hope it's been done at training in the morning, I would think. You yes. know, I, I, I demand, I, Well, I would think lots of members of Manchester United dress room would, would be of a similar view. I mean, he can't be our captain. Do you know that I, I, I think most pro players have been in a position where there's a nominal captain, but he ain't the captain. He's not the one who's saying the right things, doing the right things, making the control. He's been made captain sometime before, and there's a big problem and ego problem if you take the captain away. Well, watch that happen before, how the big fallout, and it doesn't matter if you're the Aston Villa captain, and he did get that captaincy take away from Mings, uh, or anyone else. There's this big fallout from it, unless you've got the right attitude. So it may well be that there was a fear up until now that, well, we can't take the captaincy off him because, you know, the problems it will cause. It won't cause any problems now because he ain't got a leg to stand on. And the problem maybe with Casemiro, what age is he? You know, how long will he be? Can he play every single game? You want somebody as a captain who's playing just about every game and you look through that team and De Gea plays every game, but you don't really want a keeper. It's not perfect having a goalkeeper as your captain. You look through the rest of the team, it's not really obvious. No. It really isn't obvious, apart from Casemiro. I don't know what type of personality Martinez is. If he has the same personality as, as the bite in his game suggests he might, then potentially, but it does feel like Casemiro. On Just a wee word of Martinez as yeah. well, right? Like everyone game. else. Yeah. You're right, I didn't, didn't have a good one yeah. um, at all. And, you know, you can have bad days. That, that happens. The slight concern was uh, the power, the aerial power, that Liverpool had, yeah, and it finally, it's taken a while, yeah, it finally, kind of get caught out there, and yeah. it may well be that the one area in football, the one place in football you get caught out more than anyone anywhere else is the Premier League in England with that, because there's still that, you know, that big use of that physicality and that crossing and high balls, and everyone will have seen that and thought, right, okay, then it's not even if he's the one that's challenging. It's the fact that you now have to bring more people back. and it, that That's a problem. That is not a problem. Mm. This was a really, really good day for Liverpool. Let's talk front three. So uh, <laughs> Salah back to being Salah. And then Cody Gakpo, you know, it, it felt like a proper announcement of his arrival. And there was just such a, an assurance to what he did that you, you, you feel there's a repeatability there. Fred was uh, rightly pointed out for taking a few steps out towards him uh, to, to allow that, that space for Robertson to play the ball in behind. But it's the intelligence of Gakpo to spot Fred's done it and, and, and initiate the run. I mean, that that's what makes that move happen. And, and we can blame Fred and rightly so, but Gakpo spotted it. And, that, and that's really you know important. And then I'm sure you love the finish from the Salah pass for, to make it 3-0. So, you know, Gakpo didn't just get in on the act. He scored goals one and then three to kill the game. And... And everything about it, it spoke of a certain quality, didn't it? It did, and all those things were really good. But the thing that absolutely hit me in the face was knowledge of each other's ability, running off it, movement, link up, at pace. Um, that's really special. That's supposed to take a long, long time. And the very, very best ones, you know, going all the way back to Barcelona, etc. when they used to do that sort of stuff, it, they were they were like kids together learning all this and building yeah. it all up and understanding movement and running and 
positioning and capabilities of their teammates. And for that game, it was everywhere. They were their movement, back heels, flex, understanding of understanding of unusual movements. You're talking about those moves where your yeah, Fred comes out, but you're still going to make an unusual movement yes. into an area where people don't usually go. Yeah. But I know that Salah can play the ball in, so I'm going to do it anyway. That level of understanding and interpreting the abilities of of brilliant players, that was that was what was really jumping out. Now that gets much much easier when you're three and four in a lot. Sure. I mean, that's, easier is not the right word, but you know it's fun at that point in time. You can try anything; it's all coming off, all that sort of stuff. But I, that's the thing that jumped out at me. That's the thing where I I thought, well, you know what, Jurgen. You, you could be getting there. Yeah, because they looked a long way off, and it is a transition season. There's no doubt it's a transition season. But this transition season could see them top four, you know, when it looked miles away before that. And there have been long periods this season. It did look unusual. And I think this is maybe something people should understand out with the game. Anytime you get a new manager in, new group of players, and everyone thinks it should work within, you know, a, yeah, a month or two. And to get that sort of stuff working, it should take a long time. It should take a year. It should take a season. And it really should take as long as that for it to work beautifully oiled. We've watched good teams taking a long time to do it, as long as you're fairly successful in the meantime. Um, but very few teams get that. But if you're Jurgen Klopp, you're going to get the time. He's been given time to do it, and it's beginning to come together. But it's a wee lesson that there's enough Premier League teams out there. Um, might just get quite far without mentioning Chelsea. Huh. Um, people need time sometimes. They need time to actually, under, and it's not the manager, it's the players understanding where the strengths of each other are and where, it's not, it's, it's me knowing how good he is, how, what he can do. There's no point in me running in here if he's not got the knowledge to go and play that ball, he's not got the vision to do it. Mm. Then when you learn all that capability and then you put on the top it, that they're actually pretty world class at it, that's really, really special. It's, it's exciting times, I have to say. That's That doesn't look like a fluke one-off to me. Yeah, that's such an interesting point, yeah. That, they, that they're starting to understand what each other is capable of and therefore it was like, uh, you know, when you talk about those unusual movements, they were starting to play a bit of jazz together. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, when someone does something like that, oh, it's the thing I hate, I, I like most and I hate most because I'm jealous. I wouldn't have made that run. <laughs> Damn, I wouldn't have made that run. Yeah. You just you have to admit it to yourself because it's an unconventional. Thinking, oh. It's an unconventional one. Yeah, and I'm thinking I'd have made the pass maybe, but someone would have had to make that run, or and I wouldn't have made that run for somebody else because I wouldn't have thought them capable of the vision. Um, but maybe I played in a different time where we're, there weren't that many players with that level of vision, yeah. and that's an absolute truism. Um, but there were too many times in that game where you know, I kept on thinking, yeah. That's a piece of beautiful movement where there's not many people do it. And when others have done it in the past, it's always jumped out. Not seen a lot of it um, from Liverpool up until now. It's been there now and again. Um, but that to do it against what was a decent-ish team um, and to keep on doing and then not to, not to just stop and play about. Remember the Man City game you talked about against Man United when they stopped and yeah. slowed down? And they didn't. They just thought, nah, this could be historic. <laughs> well, it was notable. Jordan Henderson afterwards I mentioned United lifting a trophy last week and how it had uh, certainly been noted 
at Anfield. So they were in no mood to let up. And and that um, that well-oiled um, machine and, and that, that understanding and appreciation of each other's capabilities, uh, perhaps that reinvigorated Salah to some point or other because, you know, that, that was the front three he played of. They would do funny flicks and twists and turns and funny little runs and, and you know, that brought out the best in him. I mean, he, that, that's as good as he's looked in a very, very, very long time. Two or three things. The, the great thing, it's good to see him brown again. It's good to see him having that energy. Didn't see him defend once because he didn't need to. That always helps <laughs> when, you, when all your energy is allowed in one area and it's the final third. He kept, if you look at and try and remember where he was getting the ball the vast majority of the time, it was final third. Amazingly, it was often with, not often, but it was quite regularly with nobody very close to him. That just doesn't happen to Salah's day. For him, it's like, you know the feeling when you're in that moment of, oh yes, party time. Because they're not coming close. They're scared to get near me. Um, they're also covering badly. They're over-covering. So the, the, the ball that switched, I've controlled it and I'm moving towards them with pace and I'm in control of the whole situation. Salah had that the whole time. And of course, when he's playing with that confidence, with no tiredness, because he's not having to pull back at all. He's not having to run back. At all. Can, I, I mean, can you remember the second half being in his own half? I can't. Yeah. Maybe he was, but it was rare and he didn't have to do it. In fact, forget about him going backwards. I don't even remember Trent Alexander-Arnold in his own half. Mm-hmm. So the, there is no energy being suspended at all, except on doing the things you want to do. And if you're Mo Salah, that's just absolutely fabulous. He was, so he's given the, the complete uh, free hit to yeah. do whatever he likes. Uh, we have a bit of space with good people around them and it's it's great to see him doing it and that, that's the that's all the ingredients you you have all the ingredients mate you still have to make it yeah. <laughs> and he makes it and that's the joy of it he's capable of making it and it's worth noting he uh, broke Robbie Fowler's record he whipped off his shirt to celebrate it, honestly it was like looking in the mirror Pat when he did that I have to say ah, I thought that yeah <laughs> <laughs> very odd man Do you know that I got one today it was great today I, I, I know I There'll be groans and prepare for a groan. But I read it in the paper today. And it was that great line of, he has now become the all-time top scorer yeah. for Liverpool in the Premier League. Well, is that not a tautology? The all-time, yeah. but in the Premier League. No, no, no. It's either or. It's either or. That um, <laughs> this Premier League business actually has to stop. It's nonsense. I to a point understood the initial insecurities of the Premier League and Sky Sports when the whole thing got rolling were very keen to talk about the Premier League era I think now both are secure enough to say well let's not ignore Ian Rush any longer let's talk yeah, about yeah exactly Let, let's just have K- the Kenny old, yeah. is quite good yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so and I do I feel sorry for them I mean I know I played in the era before it as well I've not got any records to lose trust sure. me but it's wrong it's, <laughs> it's a silly it's a silly thing to do increasingly and, it, and it, it's obviously, it's, it's what's done. But it's not, I have to say, don't blame Sky or BTU or whoever's doing it. Everybody across the board does it now. Every, every, I mean, I work the BBC, they do it. Yeah. So everyone's doing it. It's just the accept, accepted thing. And it is a little bit of a shame for those guys because, as I say, some of them were good players who played in great teams. I mean, Liverpool of a period were the best team in the world, I think, the best club team in the world. Yeah with some of the greatest players and some of the greatest goal scorers, etc. And it's it's kind of it's slightly disrespectful to, to No, it's 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 more it's more than slightly. It's more than slightly because it's completely needless. Um one other quick point in this game, and I'm sure there are 
are many we could discuss. Here yesterday on the show, we spent a disproportionate amount of our pre-match uh, uh, time previewing Rashford versus Trent Alexander-Arnold. Mm. Now, I don't know. Ved Veghorst has had a lot of praise and, and uh, for not doing a huge amount in so much as I can see beyond uh, perfunctory. Uh, he has zero pace away from home was the, the Neville's assessment during the game. Therefore, Rashford to lead the line as opposed to Veghorst with no pace and Bruno ends up on the left. I mean, I don't know. If you're Jurgen Klopp, if you're Trent Alexander-Arnold, if you're every Liverpool fan and you see Rashford nowhere near Trent Alexander-Arnold's channel, you're just saying... <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> I've seen him. We've all seen him change it and just move them around. Bruno can be the 10. He can be the, the left of the attack. Rashford can be the left. What slightly surprises me, the, the Vekos being in the 10 position does surprise me, I have to say. It, it's, uh, he, he's not the standard that Manchester United need in that position. Need in that position. No lack of work rate, all that sort of stuff. Um, there's a, there is a kind of problem Um which I think Manchester United have got, which we go into in a minute. Um, but I thought he'd have changed that quicker. It, it wasn't really working. Once Rashford did Van Dijk for pace early on, then in the corner and got the ball. Yeah. But apart from that, I don't think there was another time he just had him controlled in the right sort of areas. And I thought at that point in time, okay, then that isn't working. If you're going to keep Wade Cost on, just put him up front and move Bruno middle and put Marcus left. It kind of looked obvious. Um, I didn't happen at any point. I can't, it's hard to tell if it happened. Well, I mean, the second half, who the hell knows, but you know. Exactly, but that was the point. But I suspected it didn't because for me, Rashford was always invisible up front. Yeah. Again, I don't know if it's his fault because the ball never went. <laughs> if you're playing the best game, you're in the best form of your life and don't get a kick of the ball. It's not your and, and, fault. And sorry to interrupt. To be fair to Ten Hag, if Rashford finishes that good chance where he get, you know, catches his studs a bit and he doesn't get enough on it, the ball crossed in from left-hand side, then maybe we're saying, ah, Rashford through the middle, touch of genius. But that was it. And Yeah, but when it's not going well, yeah. then you adapt. And that's one of the things that has to be said. Ten Hag has been good at recently. His, his changes have, have had great effects. Um on this occasion, it may well be that you know he was a bit slow off the mark in, in changing it. But be fair to him; it was hard to know what to do. Yeah. You know, if someone's having a stinker like Bruno, do you want him as your central player? <laughs> you just you don't know. At least you get somebody in there who's working. They've got another slight problem just now. Cool. Um, um, and it's, it's not really happened yet, but I think it's going to start showing quite soon. Uh, they've got Garnacho sometimes plays on the left, and obviously they have Ante in the right. Now you, you know what they're both going to do when they get the ball. Yeah. Both going to do exactly the same thing, right? The thing is, if you get the ball and you do that, hey, pot, calling kettle, etc. here for a moment. And if you get the ball and you get it in space, but you're on the left-hand side, you know, you're actually whatever, you're not going to cross it with your left foot because you ain't got one, right? Mm. So you need to come back on to your right. Now, he will score two or three goals and people go, that's amazing. But it's got to be more than that. So he's coming back on to work. Defenders love it because they've got, right, okay, I'm settled now. The centre forward's thinking, oh, for God's sake, I'm marked now. There's nowhere yeah. to run into. Yeah. It's 10 times harder now. If that happens once or twice, fine. It happens 99 times at 100 with both of them. Right. With him and Anthony. And with Anthony, what he tends to do is he only really wants to shoot from there. So he goes down the line, comes back on his left foot, cuts inside, and then tries to shoot. Hmm. 
the vast majority of the time. And every now and again, one goes in the top corner. And that's great, right? But the rest of the time, I'm looking at the centre forwards. I'm not looking at him. I'm looking at the centre forwards and he's going, you can see them. Yeah. They're getting fed up. They've actually stopped running. Rashford stopped running from when they both do that now. So if you get a chance to watch this, particularly both of them are playing, when they took, tend to go down the line, and then they come back in, watch the centre forwards. Now, it may be Vekos, it may get Rashford. Maybe it's, it's like, well, what can I do now? It just killed me. Yeah, that's really they interesting. Need to, yeah, yeah. You need to, they'll need to do something to change that. When they put Rashford out there, he'll drag them, they'll pull it down. Ziyech does the exact same for Chelsea. Yeah. When it's that easy, and that's obvious, and we can all see it, you need to give an option. And that's going to become a problem for Manchester United if they don't do something about it. Yeah, that is very interesting. Iron Robin, the exception to the rule. I take your point, though. Uh, yeah, he was rather... <laughs> he, was, he, could, he was unstoppable. Yeah, but, but, you always, but you always always remember the ones that go in the top corner. Yes. You, you always do. You, you remember them. See, when it's not going in the top corner, you've actually killed the chances of making it. Yeah. But then he was actually pretty good at putting the ball on an angle that people could attack. That's not what those two are generally doing just now. They're just smashing it. And both of them have scored from those positions recently. So people go, what are you talking about? Well, just wait. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I think I think people totally understand the point. I mean, uh, cutting inside and shooting from 25 yards is not a sustainable uh, model. So everything. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. There was a, an amazing Saturday to talk about as well. Football and Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky. Watch Chelsea Dortmund in the Champions League tomorrow night live on BT Sport. Pat Nevin back with us in just one moment. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week. Put my hands up now, and I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it. Apology accepted. And I was like, there's no fear here. No. Teams don't fear Dublin anymore. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. Now you're welcome back. Joe Malloy here. Pat Nevin is with us as usual. On a Monday we have talked Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Let's now talk Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2. So I don't know what the biggest adrenaline hit of your lifetime was, Pat, but Reese Nelson just had his. Um, there, are, there are moments in, in, in games and careers and those last second goals are phenomenal. But when you add everything on top, the two goals down... The stress and the pressure that they're under just now, the fact that they kept on going, the fans were kept on pushing it to the end. <clears throat> there was a moment I was so small-minded at the end of that. Did you notice how many people ran on the pitch after that? Mm, felt like about 20. Huge, yeah. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you are if it's a winner in the seventh minute of at a time. <laughs> and I was so small-minded when they did it. And I was so happy for them. I just thought... There's one or two other teams, if you do that, you're in big trouble. So, But you absolutely got it. And you, you don't want to take that joy and that extraordinary buzz out of it because what it did add to is the fact that they will now never stop. Now, they've had a lot of late goals recently. I mean, particularly Aston Villa one was amazing to do that. Um, I would advise them not to keep on doing it that way <laughs> all the way at the end of the season. It would be nice to get it because it won't always come off. But it was uh, it was a great moment. Oddly enough, 
been to see Arsenal a few times uh, this season, and in comparison to recent seasons, it's a different stadium now. It really is a different stadium. The, it, it was still the library. It hadn't really become what it's become now. It almost feels like a northern ground at the moment, which is an extraordinary thing to say because for so long it hadn't been. Um, but at the moment, the the team is feeding off the energy of the fans as well. Uh, and it's that moment there. In previous Arsenal times when they scored a late goal, I don't think it would have felt the same, really. But because of what the fans are now developing and building within the stadium, yeah. it is absolutely brilliant. And it... Uh, you need that. They will need that all the way at the end of the season. And there must be such a uh, like a, a bounce to winning like that. Akin to the Liverpool players maybe looking around each other today going, wow, we started to figure each other out in a big way. There, there are some players will think, well, this is happening quite a bit now. There's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy aspect to it. And, you know, every title win is littered with these kind of moments. And they must start to think, geez, this is actually our year. Like these kind of things are going our way. I think this is this is the period. This was the period, um, because there, there have been so many tough ones. There have been so many ones we thought, right, you've not, you're not going to do it now. You've missed a chance. City have won. You know that big lead is going to fall away now. But they've got themselves out of it. And if they can go in a couple of games where it's a bit, last game, last game was an easy one. For, was it, it, the Everton one was a, a bit of a cruise, but they've not had that many cruises. They could do with one or two little cruises for a, a week a few weeks you know because doing that every single week eventually has a cost and you eventually you, you, you don't do it you don't get away with it um but there is that feeling of united done it for years just always believed it was going to happen yeah uh, and that self-fulfilling pro- prophecy then affects the op- opposition as well who just go further and further and further back like they, they they have sporting in europe and then they have from a premier league point of view they're playing the next couple of Sundays. They have Fulham, they have Crystal Palace, and then they have Leeds at the Emirates. And then they will have Liverpool, 9th of April. But certainly Fulham, home to Crystal Palace, home to Leeds. I mean, that's very appetising for where they are. As, but then again, they were 2-0 down at Bournemouth. Yeah, it's true. It's that kind of time. You cannot, you cannot take anything for granted in this league at the moment. Um, and everyone's fighting and battling. And certainly the teams at Bournemouth will be battling as much as anything, anyone. And there's teams like Fulham who are, you know, in times going past, you'd be, I think will be a real battle. But at the moment, it's, no, no, we're okay. We can just enjoy our game. Um, so you don't know where the problems are going to come from. You don't, if you're asking, you don't care about them. Yeah. You care about you. You care about everything that you're going to put on. The lovely thing about them and the, is they're doing this without their main striker. They're doing this with just about any anyone in the back line, I suspect, could probably get injured and they'd be okay. You know, they've, they've missed important players in the midfield recently, but they're okay. Yeah. Um, and it's, if there was one player, like Saka, has been really important for them, maybe that would be one. But there isn't a one, is there? I don't think there's a one where you think, all right, he's out, we're stuffed. I think in the past times, you'd have worried about that with Arsenal, but it doesn't really look like that at the moment. And that, more than anything else, gives them one hell of a, one hell of a buzz, one hell of a hope. And all the things he seems to try, when he tries different people up front and he moves it about, it always seems to work as well. So, so well done. You know, you, Ateta's done an amazing job spotting people to do a job where I think you're thinking, well, why are you playing him there? And then it works. You know, that little period there where they went for a back four that was basically four centre-backs, 
which is totally un-Arsenal, it's too, totally un-Arteta, but he spotted it. It is what it was needed at that point in time. So <clears throat> everything goes, but um, I suppose it's, there's just a but, isn't there? We all know there's a but. Yeah. The but is, you know that City aren't going to leave you alone. You need to keep on doing it. Um, there's 12 games left, so... City look at five points, 12 games, and probably still fancy their chances. I don't know, did you see City's win against Newcastle at all? I've only seen the highlights. Do highlight. you know what the highlights wouldn't have shown up? It's just amazing. I would. Uh, I don't want to overstate it, but I would say maybe the first seven times De Bruyne touched the ball, he gave it away. It just, and then he was hugged off after 65 minutes. He's emblematic, like he, he's doing okay. Like he's not stinking the joint out, obviously, for the full hour that he's on, because he's Kevin De Bruyne. There's just something still not like Grealish is great and he and he's nipping around and doing very well. Haaland is being ignored for the vast majority of the game still. Foden, brilliant goal and was you know was really sharp and and, and had the beating of his man from minute one. But there's just something that fluidity of old is not there. It's still not there. No, it's not. But they're still brilliant players. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the fact that you look back to how long it took to start getting this out of Grealish, it took a long time. He had to learn a lot about what Pep wanted out of him. Uh, but he starts getting the best out of him in those situations. And he does unusual things. And Foden looks brilliant, doesn't he? Yeah. He kept Foden at the game for a long time. So he's reading it well. There are limitations. I, I still don't think they're... They're not favourites to win the Champions League. You know, they're not... You know, But the league, it still looks like it's a, a real possibility for them because there's just not that many teams that, if they play at their best... And we'll beat them. I mean, the game against Nottingham Forest was just one of the most ridiculous games I've seen in my life. Mm. <laughs> you know, it should have been 6 0 up. You know, in a normal, normal, usual game, they're 6 0 up. You only had to get 2 0 up, and it was party time. They would have just cruised it to the end. But on a weird day, that can happen. It can happen to them. You know, and they, the other thing about them is now and again, they do seem to tire a little bit, uh, which is not something you, you think of of them. But I still think there's enough quality, and, and Pep does enough weird and unusual things and you've got enough match winners simple match winners so you can control the game have loads of the ball have lots of it in the final third but you're not playing the brilliant way you were but you still get brilliant players in that final third well there'll be a moment with Kevin De Bruyne being needed and he'll turn up so I still think it's it's not a panic but are they the team they've been in recent years no I, I agree with you I don't think they are but they're still brilliant yeah they might not need to be that team I t- so Graham Potter watched the game yesterday at Anfield with his feet up and watched Spurs lose and I, like like an under pressure politician who then sees Matt Hancock do something stupid he just thought oh thank you like all the board <laughs> columnists this week will have nothing to say about me so he gets a win and it's a boring one on the face of it and, and he fades into the background uh, David Moyes on the other hand reached up and grabbed that spotlight I'm afraid so you said you're at set- Old Trafford during the week and uh, 4-0 to Brighton after, you know, we had talked last week, oh, he'd, he'd released the handbrake a touch and had a really good win and, and fans a bit happier. 4-0 will uh, knock it down very well. What do you think's going on there? Um, they're not the team they were. It's, yeah, they're not fighting the same way. This is another thing. Brighton can do that to teams. Sure, yeah. I think we can... We can Forget that a wee bit. Brighton actually can do that to teams. I seen them. I was down when they they destroyed Chelsea. They absolutely destroyed Chelsea down there, um, and they can do that to teams down there. Uh, it's going to be one of those incredibly tough seasons. 
it doesn't look like that's a team that's suddenly going to be next season back up in top six or seven again. It doesn't look like that. Um, but I, I still have a suspicion that Moyes could get them out of it because, you know, they, I, sh- I saw enough from them at the game at United when I was seeing them there. They get beat 3-1, yes, but I've seen enough. They will have the odd stinker now and again, there's mm. no doubt. Um, I, I have a suspicion he's probably got enough. I would be amazed if they hook him at this point in time. That would be one hell of a chance to take uh, to get rid of him now because, you know, he's showed in the past that he's had qualities to get teams out of, you know, he's a fighter, he's a battler and he's, you need them sort of people in the situation they're in just now. But they've got a lot of questions to ask over the summer team. That's whether yeah. they stay up or whether they go down, they've got a lot of questions to ask. One of them's Declan Rice, what happens with him, but I, I think there's a quite a big overhaul needed there. Mm. And I think it's survival to then. problem is, it's the Premier League. The, the amount of players that are getting bought up, Newcastle are going to go gangbusters over the summer. Man United are going to go that way as well. There are going to be a lot of teams. But then again, on the other hand, you know, there'll be leftovers for from those who leave those clubs. And it may well be that West Ham's of this world will look at that and think, right, where can I get good stuff that will help me mm. rebuild a wee bit? But I think there's a rebuild needed there. Yeah, you're probably right about the season. Like, if they win their game in hand on those below them, then they're instantly six points clear of the relegation zone, which is not nothing. But uh, yeah. summertime feel that that... Uh, Mikel Antonio era is, is grinding to a, a halt. It, I, he actually, yeah. it done, I think he done really well. Um, and again, that, I wondered if he ever really had that in him anymore. Hmm. You know, the effort was extraordinary, wasn't it? The, yeah, brilliant. To, I remember thinking, I don't know how long you can do that for me. And he's one of these guys who would do it for 70 and then the gasket would just completely blow. But you loved him for it. <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. But you you only, you do that and eventually you will pay a price. Yeah, they, you cannot keep on doing that. Those players don't last forever. And when the gasket does blow, the main uh, the big end goes. They're off, you know, and it's going to be really tough for him. Uh, so he's if you've got two centre forwards and he can do, you know, thirty minutes of that now, that might be a, a great thing. But he won't be able to do that regularly. So yeah, it, it's time to definitely rethink that. I think. July twenty twenty three, West Ham fans take to Twitter. Uh, in disgust, David Moyes pictured with Vout Veghorst holding up West Ham number nine jersey. The grim future. I'm looking at a whole bunch of players that are leave, leaving the likes of Chelsea, etc. You know, and you can pick up a whole bunch of them and they yeah. might do a, a job. So there's, there's going to be players around, but they're, they're going to be cast-offs. And, it's, and that's what it is. You know, even though they're a Premier League team and there's a lot of money and they're going to pay a lot of money, it, it's, it's basically... Not, it's not. You cannot say bargain basement. You cannot say that. But you can say cast-offs. Um, yes. And it's whether, but it's going to be quite a few. And he's going to have to make a lot of changes there because I don't know if he's got enough people really fighting the same way that they were. So checking was coming back in a, a game, you know, because he was moved a little bit further forward. But he'd gone through a, a poor period and they were, you know, dependent on him. So, yeah. and Moise will know that. Moise will know there's a, a big old job to be done. Thank you so much for that. Absolute pleasure. Just as my wife in the background saying your tea's ready. So Perfect timing. Pat Nevin uh, <laughs> with us every Monday. Thank you. Our football show and off the ball is brought to you by Sky. You can watch Chelsea Dortmund UEFA Champions League tomorrow night live on BT Sport.
Football on off the ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports.